0: solar, bathroom renovations, kitchen renovations, anything like that, head across to wiki forward slash pod for podcast. wiki forward slash pod for podcast. Book in a conversation. It is game changing. Through no fault of our own, most tradies, contractors, or home service business owners don't really have a clear understanding of business finance. If that resonates with you, you're going to love this podcast where we discuss the following things. Firstly, where most trade business owners get it wrong financially. Secondly, the three tips to simplifying your path to financial freedom. And finally, your next best financial moves. So this is obviously YouTube. And if you want to get notified of all of the awesome podcasts that we do, and if you want to get access to our incredible backlog of over 300 trade-specific business podcasts, then smash subscribe and make sure you turn your notifications on. That's all from me. Enjoy. I'm getting a feed. Jackson, welcome to the Sideshow Podcast.
1: Matt, thanks for having me, mate. uh, I'm looking forward to having a bit of a chat and sharing some value with the audience. I know, and I I will
0: definitely try and piece together off the back of this conversation where our paths might have crossed in the path because I'm sure... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the name's familiar i just can't put a finger on it we're from the same place either, <laughs> exactly it's
1: uh, it's a fortuitous but it's all come full circle mate and here we
0: are absolutely well thanks for joining us um so we're talking today about a topic which is never never going to be not in vogue um we're talking today about how to create financial freedom specifically for our home service trade businesses um now I would like, if, before, we get, before we dive right in, just give us a bit of background on you, um, the business, where you're from, blah, 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 so on and so forth, just so the listeners got a bit of context.
1: For sure. Yep. So I'm Jackson Milan. I'm also known as the Wealth Mentor. And uh, for the better part of the last 15 years, I've been working to help service-based business owners master their money. And systematically turn their business profit into personal wealth. Now, if anybody looks at me, uh, they can see that I don't look like a typical finance guy, and and I'm I'm not. Um, my parents were tradies. My mum was a hairdresser. She tried really hard to scale a salon. Um, my old man was a bit of a jack of all trades. He tried pretty he he's at pretty much every trade franchise that you could possibly get your hands on, but just could never stick to anything long enough to see success. But they worked their asses off like 16 hour days, seven days a week. And they always said to me, Jackson, if you want to be successful, you've got to work hard for it. But they never had anything to show for it. It was always hand to mouth. And I remember as a kid realizing that something must have been wrong because the, the fruits of the labor weren't there. And when I started training to become a financial advisor, when I left school, I wanted to help people like my parents, and I realized very quickly the industry was all about flogging product or making rich people richer, and I hated it. So I've been the term financial advisor, and we donned the term wealth coach, and we've been helping Aussie battlers and business owners get a handle on their money so they could become better financial stewards and create financial success for themselves and their families.
0: Yeah, awesome. I mean, look, it's one of those things, and I mean, I've been there, I used to be a tradie, and um, and then you know, going on I don't know, we've said this a million times on the show, but you know, when you at no point throughout your trade certificate or college or whatever you guys are you know, you're doing your training are you ever really educated about money. And it truthfully was a huge um, it's been a huge step like step backwards in the sense that you know i didn't have any insight to this i didn't have any mentors in my life that could help with that sort of stuff especially you know from the from the perspective of running a business found myself in tax debt with the government just through ignorance more than anything and just not knowing but i mean not passing the blame to anyone but you know we never taught this stuff at college or whatever and it's got to be on you to go and learn that stuff which is essentially why we have a podcast so as I said before, I don't think this uh, topic is ever uh, going to be out of fashion. And for you guys out there that are starting a business or you're looking at scaling your business, you really need to start getting these processes down at an early stage because it will it could set you up for destruction or success, which is depending on which way you go. Um, it's certainly been my experience to get the right people in our corner, in my corner, when it came to doing this sort of thing because. Um, in truth, you know, if if you go through college swinging hammers and fixing roofs, like, you know, you, you may not be the best person to be giving yourself financial advice.
1: I agree with you, man. I think this is the hard <laughs> part, right? Because I think we've worked with so many tradies over the years and they tend to develop this persona about being the expert technician. Like they're really good at their craft, really good at what they do. And they don't put the label on themselves of being good with money or good with their finances or being good financial managers. And for that reason, it takes a back seat. And that's the thing. Like No one's ever going to love your money as much as you do. You just need to be able to create the right plan, know how to control your cash flow, and then have the consistency of action when you're managing and optimizing your money to be able to squeeze more juice out of that and make sure that you can actually set yourself up for not just financial freedom, because that's a, something we can work towards, but also just having a level of financial security. Because uh, there's so many tradies there that are, are living month to month and uh, a Robin Peter to pay Paul just to keep their head above water. Sure, and I mean
0: financial security means so many different things to so many different people. Um, so you know, I, I think, like I mean, I'm sure part of your process is very similar in understanding what that is. You know, and I know specifically we're going to talk to a few different points in this in this recording uh, where where business owners get it wrong financially. Three tips to simplifying your path to freedom and your next best moves financially. Um, but I'm guessing that's you know, I mean, even from reading that out, that that could sound. Um, I won't say vague, but certainly broad. Like you need to get really granular when you when you start just defining these things for your own personal situations and your own um, personal positions. And I would like to say at this point in time, as a disclaimer, I am absolutely not the person you want to be taking financial advice from. So I would encourage you to seek uh, the and uh, seek the advice of an expert in relation to anything you hear today. It is kind of general, but please take on board what Jackson saying. He is an expert, but you still want to speak to your own financial consultant when it comes to this sort of things, or reach out to Jackson. So, um, so mate, why don't we um, like start at the top here and let's talk a little bit to, you know, specifically where, and I will certainly be able to contribute to this part of the conversation, where business owners get it wrong financially. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because I'd love to hear your insight. And as I sort of alluded to before, my experience was uh, ignorance um, in the sense that I just didn't know. And you know, I'm not gonna blame anyone for that. I didn't go up, take it upon myself to learn it before I went all in. And you know, that was you know, my mistake. And I had bad people in my corner. More importantly, I had a terrible accountant, gave me no information. Um, couldn't and I had to end up racking up this huge tax debt, which I had no idea I was racking up. Like it was just it was an absolute punish. Um, and I'm sure there's people out there that are watching this nodding their head right now, so sort of in a similar boat. So
1: many, and myself included, Matt, like. What's interesting, and I'm have I've no, um, I'm not embarrassed at saying this, that myself as a financial professional who started in this industry at 19, I racked up tax debt yeah. because I thought I'd work with my accountant to put together a good forward-facing tax plan, but there was no proactivity. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got to my first full financial year, having a really successful year in business, he served me with a $50,000 tax bill above and beyond what I'd put aside the and before. then said, hey, congratulations, mm-hmm. you've got 30 days to pay it, see you next year. Right. I'm like, yeah. geez, how am I supposed to deal with this? Yeah. And this is the biggest problem, right? The, one of the biggest frustrations that business owners have is the disconnect between accounting and cash flow, mm-hmm. right? Like For anybody who's ever sat down with their accountant when they've looked at their financial statements or looked at their tax returns and maybe their accountant said to them, hey, congratulations, Matt, you've had this great profitable year, um, good good work, and you're like, where the fuck's the money? <laughs> um, and this is the biggest complaint I hear from a lot of tradies and, this is the thing, right? As a business owner, you don't run your business based on accounting, you run it based on cash flow. And the first mistake that business owners make is that they don't have what's called a cash flow operating system, Mm -hmm. a way for them to use what we call bank balance accounting to be able to open up your online banking, have a look at your app and be able to know exactly that you've got money set aside in various buckets for the specific purposes in your business. And we call this the profit mastery machine because essentially we can set up a series of buckets, six buckets, an income account, a cost of sales account, a owner's pay account, an OPEX account, a tax account, and a profit account. And we can actually segment all of your income and set it aside to ensure that you've got money aside for every single bill you will ever be served and will allow you to maximize and amplify your profits in your business so you can actually pay yourself what you're worth.
0: I think I now know where we might have met because you're clearly talking about profit first, and we have done multiple uh, podcasts with uh, on the on the topic of um, well, on the profit first framework. So yeah, very familiar. And for context, and to put um, I suppose some backing to what you've just said, then we rolled our business rolled profit first out. Oh, maybe two, uh, two financial years ago. So we'd be in our second financial year of running profit first or maybe our third. Um, and it's been the most amazing thing that we've ever done in the business. It's absolutely transformed. It's always money there. There's, it's always allocated. Um, it's just, and as we've grown and scaled so rapidly, so quickly, you know, without having that system in place, it would have been an absolute shitstorm.
1: Yeah. And it's game-changing. So I was a Profit First professional for for a while there, loved the system. But even in my own business journey as I was growing, and for many of our clients, we we found ourselves asking, hey, we've implemented Profit First successfully. It's fully optimized. What's next? So our philosophy now is about profit mastery, because the idea is that, yes, we need to put profit first, but profit is still a vehicle, much like your business, much like the personal income that you earn. And it's about what we do with that that matters. And the challenge that we found is that for many businesses who are high growth, who've dialed in their profitability, they're accumulating cash, but it's burning a hole in their pocket. And they end up getting to a point where there's increased anxiety and the stakes increase because as that money escalates and grows, the fear of making bad decisions leads them to sitting on the fence and and having inaction. Hmm. So the aim here is that we want a system like Profit First, but we want to link this to a roadmap. and Because the idea here Matt, is that for everyone, we talk about financial freedom and we talk about passive income and we talk about having the ability to retire or pull up stumps or whatever. But most people, that's actually still a dream. It's not a goal because they actually haven't defined it.
0: Sure. And, and, and in truth, that's congruent with anything to do with goal, right? And mean, so not just financials. I mean, this is something that we, you know, we're huge on within the business. We run the scorecard system and we do all this amazing stuff in the business now, but it all comes back to having clarity around what that goal looks like and yeah. what, what the context of the goal is. So people understand, oh, this is why I'm working towards this, this quarter. This is what it's attributed to blah, blah, blah. So, mate, you were preaching to the choir here.
1: Love it. So the <laughs> process we use for this, Matt, to give people some actionable insights around this, Is that in order for us to work out the passive income figure or the amount of wealth that you need or even more importantly how much profit you need to be earning we need to start with the end in mind so we take our clients through an exercise that's called the 20-year roadmap and what we basically do is we help them break down all of their lifestyle goals so qualitative goals holidays experiences hobbies interests cars uh, anything that is going to bring joy to their existence and then their financial goals, the quantitative goals, the house they want to live in, when they want to be debt free, the property portfolio, the passive income. And we actually map that out over 20 years with as much detail as we possibly can. Now, for anyone listening to this, you're probably freaking out. You're like, oh shit, I don't even know what I want for dinner tonight, let alone what I want in 20 years. (laughs) But here's the thing, Matt, as an adult, I've been diagnosed with ADHD and it plagued me for years. And one of the high things of, of, of ADHD is that I suck at deferring gratification, right? And through understanding, speaking to so many people and having thousands of clients over the years, so many people are the same because the fundamental principle that most people believe around wealth is sacrifice is required. Bullshit. Mm. Because we've been sold by previous generations and traditional wealth management that you need to shrink yourself wealthy. Mm -hmm. Who wants to shrink themselves wealthy? Mm -hmm. Who wants to go without today for a greater tomorrow? And that's one of the things that got in the way of me deferring gratification when I was younger. But I had an epiphany moment and I said, well, Matt, if I was going to rewrite the rules for myself and I was going to play to win, how could I have my cake and eat it too? And the reason why most people fall short of their goals or they need to shrink themselves wealthy is they actually haven't taken the time to define all of the financial means they would need to have everything they want. Yeah. So they need to make a scarcity-based choice. So by going through the exercise, and you, this is probably not going to be perfect the first time, it takes a few iterations to map out all of your goals over 20 years. And to be fair, we do we revisit this every single quarter. Right. We can then reverse engineer it into a wealth target, into a personal income target, into a profit target, into a revenue target, even back into your KPIs. Mm-hmm. So that allows us to link all of your activity that you do every day in your business to all of the things that are intrinsically motivating to you, how much more exciting is that to go do the work? Well, and you know
0: what? It's it's both exciting and it's both like a, it's a bit of a revelation and a relief as well when you look at when you do that process. And I and I haven't obviously been through your program, but I've I've got a pretty similar approach to goal setting by the sound of it. It's amazing when you look on paper and you go, oh, in order to get this, I've only got to do these things consistently. And exactly. it's, it's 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 amazing because when you look at these big these huge goals, sometimes you just think, "How is that ever going to happen?" And yeah. more, like you said, more than likely, they won't happen because it, with you know with the goal without that strategy is just a wish. But you know exactly. when you reverse engineer it, you break it down into those bite sized chunks and whatever cadence that might be annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, whatever. Like it just makes things so much easier.
1: Hundred percent, mate. And I think the other part of this is that so many of us judge ourselves on making perfect financial decisions because there's a lot of societal pressure. In the age of of uh, social media, all we see is these ducklings. And I refer to them as ducklings. It's like when you watch ducklings swimming in a pond, right? They look so graceful above the surface. But what you don't realize is how frantically that little duckling is kicking below the surface to stay sure. afloat and not get taken away by the current. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, people beat themselves up on making perfect decisions, which is impossible. No one can make perfect decisions, particularly around something like finance and wealth. Because you, no one has 20-20 vision in foresight. It's only in hindsight. So what the key is here is we want to get ourselves out of making pass-fail decisions. We actually break this down into a roadmap where it's momentum based. So if we say, hey, cool, we need to accumulate $100,000 in wealth over the next 12 months, we break that down to $25,000 a quarter. If I only do 10000 this quarter, then I just course correct the remaining three quarters. That's right. And it's always about progress over perfection. Yeah.
0: And I think that is, it was certainly in my experience back in the day, like that was where I fell over with goals because if you're not reviewing them regularly, it makes it very hard to be agile in making those decisions to re-correct that course whereas you know if you're doing it weekly daily monthly and you've got some sort of cadence behind it where you're tracking these things then it's so easy to make those you know those little incremental shifts in what you're currently doing which you know the one degree principle you know how (laughs) so you know it's i i completely agree with you so when it comes to like what businesses are what business owners are doing wrong currently financially would you say the number one thing that you in your experience is not perhaps having the strategy behind like maybe they've got the goal or at that point it's a wish but not actually understanding how they can break that strategy
1: down to make it attainable Yeah, we need that game plan. We need to link those goals to the tangible actions. And that's what's missing for most people. And Mm. either they don't know how, or they feel it's too complicated, or they just haven't gone through the motions. But for whatever reason, they just don't have that financial game plan to keep them on track. Sure. So,
0: I mean, it's... when. this all sounds great like rainbow rainbows and unicorns but in truth like people will be listening to this going, before that's how uh, imagine building a 20-year plan far out like you said i don't even know what i want to have for dinner tonight like is there any way that we can simplify this process for people or make it a little bit more actionable um yeah. so that they've got somewhere to start at least
1: definitely look well, i think the first thing is starting <clears throat> working out what you want in the next 12 months like when i designed this exercise i stared at, a, at this page trying to fill it in for hours And I couldn't get any further than one year. But I started the exercise and then I diarized to come back to it in a week and then in a month and then the next quarter. So one tangible action that you can set is set a recurring reminder for yourself each and every single quarter where you block out an hour and you say, review my 20-year roadmap. And that's going to come up every quarter. Mm -hmm. And what you're going to do is you're going to save a version, do it in a Word document. If you want a template, feel free to reach out. I can give you some tools. And then you do it and get as far as you can. Let the dust settle on it. Go back to life. Come back to it in a quarter. Update it. Review it. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about this matter is that I've been doing this now for almost a decade myself personally, and I've got to a point now where I'm so closely calibrated on what the the, the perspective of what I want, I achieve ninety to ninety five percent of all of the goals that I set.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting. There's a um, there's a book called Measure What Matters, which I'm sure you probably read. And they say, yeah. And so within this book, they essentially speak to like key performance indicators and that kind of stuff. And they kind of touch on the scorecard system, which got later developed by um, Dr. Jeff Smart in the book called Who. But um, the the point being, the um, they the, and they, and they say this in Measure What Matters: when you're creating goals for your team, you should always aim for a 70 to 80% success rate on those goals. Otherwise, you haven't hit your sights
1: big enough. Yeah. And this is a really interesting point, mate. We look at the, the psychology behind this. And most people, particularly entrepreneurs and business owners, is that we overlook the value of a feedback loop. Right. And feedback loops have been used for hundreds of years, and even going back to the Jesuit priest, where we have a circle that's the perspective of what we think is going to happen. And then we've got this circle that is the reality. And typically, those circles are not very closely overlapped. But what's missing is because we're so focused on continuing to work towards the next forward-facing thing, we don't look backwards. We don't correct those circles to get them more closely overlapped by using the reflection. Mm. And by using a concert reflection loop, whether it be quarterly or even if it's just annually, of saying, hey, this is what I thought was going to happen back then. Here's what actually happened. Why is this different? Mm. This allows us to recalibrate ourselves to set realistic intentions, and to also understand what has got in the way and how can we improve our ability to get what we want moving forward.
0: Sure, and I think the other important thing for like the viewers and listeners out there to understand, and one of the main reasons why we roll this or well, something similar to this out in our business is is because like life gets in the way and things pop up all the time. And when I, mean, I did this. In truth for, for years, probably seven or eight years, I was just wake up in the morning and do whatever comes out on my plate. and you know it and it got us so far, but like we never really had and we didn't maintain that specific focus into that macro you know thing, which was what we really should have been striving towards. So having clarity around that, enables you to stay on track. And if you don't have that defined, then how can you possibly know if you are on track? Because you just will do it. You'll wake up in the morning, you'll open your email inbox and you'll just do work <laughs> and you'll be busy, but you'll be busy doing the wrong things. And so I completely relate to what you're saying there. Perfect. Um, so the steps in simplifying the path of freedom. Let's go, let's go
1: start at the top. This aligns really perfectly with what you just said, Matt. You're right. We're stuck in the fine minutiae, like just the doing the day-to-day activities. And the way I look at this is that imagine it? that you've got a, the, the fine minutiae. Fine minutia. okay. Yeah, so the small details. And I go, what I want you all to envision is, a, is a, as a vessel, some sort of jar, right? And we've got boulders, we've got rocks, we've got pebbles, and we've got sand. And we're trying our best to maximize the amount of volume that we can fill in this vessel. And how most people approach this is they're putting the sand in first. It's the mm-hmm. day-to-day, fine details. Yeah. And then when they get around to it, they start putting in the pebbles, and then they might put in a couple of rocks. And then by the time we get to it, it's nearly overflowing before we get an opportunity to try and put the boulders in. And let's get that old adage, the Pareto Principle. Like it's, it's 20% of the stuff that gets 80% of the results. And typically, the 20% is those boulders. It's the mm-hmm. boulder activity those cornerstone pillar activities that are going to drive substantial momentum when it comes to wealth. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this in the context of your wealth journey. We take the 20-year roadmap and then we reverse engineer that. And it, like, the, the biggest resistance we get there, Matt, is that people say, well, yeah, I don't know what I want. Like, how, everything I, I put here in 5, 10, 15, 20 years is going to change. How do I know what I'm going to want then? But does that mean we should plan for nothing? Correct. Or should we use these things as placeholders that we're just going to repurpose to other things as that shifts and changes over time? I'm glad you brought that up. I really am because
0: that is that that is one thing that I learned that's really – I'm actually saying – I mean, I'm guessing you're a big advocate of Gino Wickman's traction and you're, you've been yes. on this. I can just tell by the words you're using that you, you've read that book. <laughs> but anyway, the, the point being like that 10-year goal, it will – likely change every year, but that's the point because exactly. you you, you guys will be amazed when you start implementing the process which Jackson's talking about or a variant of, you'll be amazed at how much faster you've reached your goals than you have set aside in the first place. Like it's mind-blowing. Exactly.
1: And look, I'll give you a practical application of this, guys. We've used this to help our clients build over $1.5 billion in combined wealth. But for myself personally, I've been able to build a $6 million business, a multi-seven-figure net worth, I was able to spend 12 months traveling around Australia in a four-wheel drive, and we've been able to buy our dream home in far north Queensland, um, a 70-acre property that we've turned into an animal sanctuary. But all of those things I didn't always want. Mm -hmm. It was just through this recalibration of this exercise where I've been able to shift and change my own roadmap to get myself and keep myself on track for the outcomes that I want, to be able to have my cake and eat it too. So we create the 20-year roadmap. We reverse engineer it backwards. That's our boulder activity. Now we talk about the rocks. So the aim of the game is that if you want to achieve your 20-year financial freedom plans, we have an annual milestone that we need to achieve. And that annual milestone is going to revolve around profit or surplus, cash on hand, liquidity, wealth, debt, and the value of your business. If we can understand those five milestones and metrics every year, so what, how much surplus do I want to have to allow me to live a great lifestyle and have money left over for me to allocate? How do, what war chests do I build in terms of liquidity to give me, my family, peace of mind in the event of the unforeseen? Investing. Am I building wealth in my home? Am I building wealth in a property portfolio? Am I buying shares? Am I punting on crypto? Whatever your, your preference is for building wealth, um, that's up to you. Leverage. Am I using leverage smart? And do I have a good handle on it? And have I built value into my business? Because the unfortunate truth is, guys, that most trade businesses have no value. And it's not because they're not valuable. It's because the founders and owners haven't turned them into an asset. Mm -hmm. They've just been a cash creation machine that ends up getting wound up one day when they sell off into sunset. But I have private clients of mine that have been able to exit out of home services and trade businesses at five to six times EBITDA because they've been able to scale multi eight figure home services businesses. That well, is a valuable asset.
0: The last po- podcast we published was um, titled How I Sold My Plumbing Business After Nearly 40 Years. It was by a colleague and a friend of mine in Sydney who um, he recently did, he sold his business and he spoke a lot to what you're saying there in that whole, the whole conversation was really about, well, how do you build
1: an acquirable asset? Perfect. Yeah. So it's something that's important to track. So that's our our rock activity, guys. We break down those milestones. Then our pebble activity is the quarterly pulse checks. So as I mentioned before, if we're going to acquire an additional $100,000 of wealth, it's $25,000 a quarter. So it ensures that we've got that accountability to those actions. And then what we do is we break that down into monthly KPIs and activities. What does the top-line revenue in the business need to be? The operating profit need to be? The cash balance, so on and so forth, to allow us to keep on track for those other milestones. Mm-hmm. top-down approach
0: sure and then from there we
1: can define tasks and actions correct exactly exactly yeah. and I think a big part of that is putting a dollar value on your time the reality is that there are only two tradable commodities in this world guys there's time and there's money going from financial battle where we're living hand- to mouth we're trading time for money we're just trying to work for our existence, to go into financial abundance where we have wealth in excess of what we need and we can create generational impact, it requires us to go from trading time for money, to trade money for time, to then trade money for money. Most people get stuck at level one Mm. and it's because they're doing the $20 tasks that are just not good use of their time. Yeah
0: so we've had i'd love to hear dive into this one a little bit deeper because we've spoken a lot to this over the years in the podcast um <clears throat> the concept that um i was i suppose exposed to you know a number of years ago but well, by a number of different people it, it all stemmed from um, organizational structure and forecasted organizational structure and to this day mm-hmm. We sort of have that as the set, stepping stone for strategy within the business and understanding at what point we need to, we need to have team members in position so that the business is, is adapt and, and ready to scale the way we want it to scale based on our goals, so on and so forth. And we still run that and it still works. And I'd love to hear what how you play that.
1: I love that. And I talked about this in my second book, Secrets to Scaling a Seven-Figure Lifestyle Business, because I'm a big believer of asymmetrical relationship between income and effort. So I'm all about disconnecting that. And there's really four stages that we go through, and this is spoken about in the EMIS and lots of different books. But the first step is technician. And what we're going to realise is that there's a big J curve. The longer you stay as a technician, the harder it is for you to get out of it because you get better, right? Mm -hmm. And I think many tradies fall into this trap, where they say, oh, no one's ever going to be as good as me. But let's say that you smash it, you're 100%, you're 100 out of 100, and your tradies are only 70 out of 100, you get two tradies and they're already better than you. Right. So the first thing you need to do is transition from being a technician into being a manager. You need to know how to get, squeeze the most out of your human capital, because that becomes your first and number one priority.
0: You know what's interesting, like a, a bit of a spin on that, which um, you, might even, you might find interesting as well. We, we've had this uh, similar conversations on the show, you know, over and over again, and I've, had, I've surveyed and polled our group and so on and so forth. And a lot, of the, a lot of the time, based on the fact that, like you said earlier, we might be really good plumbers, electricians, builders. We know we're good. We know we're really good. No one can run a job like us, but, man, do we suck when it comes to HR and do we suck when it comes to finance and all this kind of stuff. So like a lot of the – well, like when we surveyed and polled the group and and, and the community and I suppose the industry as a whole, a lot of the the guys came back saying, well, I know my strength is being on site and managing the guys, but I need other people to manage all the other stuff. And so a lot of these guys don't want to be taken off the tools. They want to stay on the tools, but they want to be able to not have to deal with all the other managerial shit that they never signed up for in the beginning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, look, I guess it's, it's hard. The harsh reality of that is that you need to be good enough to then create enough margin where you can hire managers who can do the managing for mm-hmm. you, um, which is what, to be honest, I'm not a great manager. I'm a great visionary. I'm a great leader. Um, but I hate the finer details, and I've got unrealistic expectations of everyone because I see their potential and I want to squeeze it out of them even if that person is not ready for it. So I'm not the best person for that job, but I realised that for years, I told myself the narrative that I'm not a manager, uh, I'm not good at managing people, and that became my reality. <laughs> so it was famously said by Confucius, he who said he can and he who said he can't are both right. That's right. Yeah. You need to tell yourself the narrative, stop, stop bitching out on this and say, I'm not good right now, but what do I need to learn? What do I need to do to get good at this? Sure. Because it, it is a stepping stone. You're not going to be a manager forever. So your first thing you need to understand is what is your break-even point on every single person in your business and how do you get them profitable? So we need to understand what is the cost of an employee, the true cost. And simple maths on that is if a trade is costing you all in 10 grand a month, they need to be making you 30 grand a month at a minimum. So that's something we are going to work towards. And that's the outcomes we should be working to them towards. Then once we've got we've become a good manager, we've got enough margin, we've got enough team, we can then step into being a leader and we can hire an operations manager or an office manager or a general manager who can then take on that responsibility. And our new role is now about vision for the business, selling everyone the dream, getting everyone to buy into the vision, get excited about it, get invested in it, and making sure that the managers understand that vision so they can see it out for you when they're overseeing your people. And the big problem here with trade businesses, like, I'm just an electrician, I'm just a plumber. Like I just want to install light switches and uncock toilets, whatever it is that they refer to that. No, like your business is unique. Your business is a a, a portion of you. It's it's a it's a, a, a byproduct of you existing and everything that you want. So create the story, create the narrative, and sell that to your team.
0: Yep. And, and then and- your last step is. Sorry, mate, Jumping. I was gonna say, and on that point, sell it to your customers. Like we, we obviously run a digital agency for tradespeople. And every single day, and in truth, most of the conversations I have with our, our clients are tell your story better. Like That's you it. have a unique story. And and the problem is, and it's by no means, I'm sure, relevant, specific just to trade the trade verticals, but like because we do this every day, we're of the impression. And we're probably genuinely right from our own perspective that what we do is boring because we do it every day. But what you're not understanding is people that don't do what you do and they're calling you for a service, like they're very interested in this sort of stuff. And you have an obligation as a business owner to, to give them that information. Like we live in the information age. So you're essentially doing them a disservice by not giving them the information they're looking for. And very few people, very few businesses are doing it well.
1: Exactly. I couldn't agree more with you, mate. And the problem is that when you're not taking that time to educate your customer, your customer is making assumptions and they're filling in the gaps for themselves, which is likely wrong. Sure. Um, And they have a misunderstanding. Um, And that leads to burning your reputation. It impacts repeat business. Everyone loses as a result. So... And we were lucky enough and fortunate enough to work with a fellow called Cameron Herald. Uh, he runs a business called COO Alliance. He was the COO to one got junk that took it from, I think, a $3 million business to a $100 million business. Canadian? and he, uh, Canadian fellow, yeah. yeah. And um, he wrote a book called The Vivid Vision, and it's basically about creating a three-year vision manifesto documenting exactly what it is that you want to achieve, big picture, and at each division and function in your business. And we redo that actually every 12 months. I just had my business partners come up to the farm and we spent a couple of days doing this exercise. And then we've shared that with all of our team, all of our clients, everyone sees it. And it is the most valuable tool that we have in our business. And that's what you should do as a good leader.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting when we, I, 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 I say to guys regularly, like, Involving your team in this part of the process is really empowering for them because it makes them understand, and it and it justifies like what they're doing day to day and why their role in your in your business is so important, and 100%. and they love it and you know there's that whole you know. That whole framework around, you know, if you get them to buy into the process, they're they're far more sold out to delivering on it, you know, because it's not just, it's not an order then. It's like, I understand my role in this and I'm owning, I'm going to, I've said I'm going to do this and they're accountable, you know, and it's a really powerful tool in the arsenal. Super powerful. And that meeting that you just said, I mean, you guys, you really got, you got to, I mean, we have we have our quarterly flight plan meetings, we call it. We've got ours coming up on Friday because we're about to lead into the new quarter. And very similar thing. We run through the whole, you know, the, the outcome, the goals, the long-term visions, the shorter-term visions. We get the team to contribute to what those, what those rocks are going to be and what those, you know, um, those items that go on the scorecard. Then we break them down into individual scorecards and everyone knows what they're doing. And, you know, it just, it just, what it does amongst a million other things is, first of all, everyone knows specifically, you know, what they're signing up to do. And there's no confusion. So you don't get that situation where I've had in the past. And I'm sure you, you've had it as well, where yeah. you've got multiple people thinking they should be doing the same thing. And everyone's like, oh, I was doing that. Oh, why are you doing that? Oh, we, we're both doing this. Like, there's none of that. And second of all, if you do get dragged off course for whatever reason, You've got this process where you can pull yourself back because you go, hang on, hang on. This is important what I'm doing, but it's not in a line of what I need to be doing for this quarter. So I'm going to shelve that for the next quarter or whatever it might be. So it's a really good like navigation method in bringing people back to course.
1: I agree. Exactly right. And I think that's an important part of this, particularly when you're growing a business is learning what to say no to. Because everything sounds like a good idea without context, right? Well, and and
0: especially if you're like us, like the visionaries and the-
1: the, 100%. I want to do everything and I want to do it yesterday. (laughs) Exactly. So I think that's important to be able to have something that ropes yourself back in. You hit the nail on the head there. But I guess that leader position is often one of the hardest to get out of when you are a visionary in your business. And the last step, which is not for everyone, is to become a true entrepreneur and an investor where you're able to replace yourself as the leader put in place a CEO or a managing director and basically take a board seat or be completely passive from your business. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, really, those are the four, four transitions. Every business can do it. It doesn't matter if you're a tradie or if you run any type of business. Um, but it's about understanding where you aspire to get to and making sure that that aspiration and how you use your business as a vehicle is linked back to how you reward yourself for all of your hard work, because we are not just in business to create a job for ourselves. We are in business to create financial freedom. There is no better vehicle in this world that has created more financial freedom than a business. And sure. um, It's just about making sure that yours is working for you as opposed to you working for it. So what
0: about, why don't we talk a little bit to the last point here in, you know, what the next best moves would be, you know, from, the, from a financial position for for the listeners and viewers out there. Yep.
1: Yeah, so first step and speaking your language again, mate, we put together a scorecard. It's a 40-point financial performance scorecard. But we've done this with thousands of business owners the world around. And we've identified the top 40 things that get in the way of business owners creating financial freedom. Ooh. Now the average score is 18 out of 40, which means most business owners are below average, which is probably no surprise. I don't care if you're a five or if you're a 35. The aim of the game here, once again, is that progress of perfection is identifying the things that you currently answer no to that you believe that you can turn into a yes in the next 30, 60, or 90 days. And it's about focusing on improving that score. So do the scorecard. We'll include a link in the show notes, I'm sure. It'll take you five minutes to do, and it'll help you identify the top three to five low hanging pieces of financial fruits that you can get working harder for you, squeeze more money out of your business, and start taking action. Sure, and so we, and and is that in
0: your experience the best place to start? It's to go for the low hanging fruit.
1: Hundred percent. The problem that we've got here, Matt, is that the, most people are chasing strategies and tactics that aren't applicable to them. Now, not might might not be the right time for you to increase your pricing. Now, not might might not be the right time for you to buy another property it might not be the right time for you to put money into your super or to put money into the share market. And this is the problem that most of us are making reactive decisions about what Uncle Bill is telling us at the family barbecue on Sunday or what Timmy told us at the pub that he did. We need a, we're need we running our own race, and the aim of the game here is to be better than we were yesterday but not as good as we are going to be tomorrow. So this is about evaluating your own unique situation and then working out how we push that needle forward for you.
0: Sure. And I suppose, like fundamentally, like starting is the key, right? Like, <laughs> and, and I know this is a a paradigm shift for a lot of you guys out there, but this isn't a case of like wanting to do it. And I, I yeah. I'm, I'm, always, I always laugh when I hear people like, and you, no doubt, have seen, have experienced this way more than me. I'm recently coming to, um, you know, it's becoming more and more prevalent as we talk about so many things in the podcast. People reach out, they're saying, hey. Can you give me your process for hiring? And I say, "Well, I can, but you need to read these books first to understand how this process works." Oh, no, no, I don't like I don't like reading those kind of books. And I think, "Well, <laughs> like at some point you've got to come to the party here. It's not about what you want. Like it's want, it's what the, it's the outcome that you're after, you know?" And there'd be no right. point in me spending all my and I know because I've done this wrong. I've done this a couple of times with people and I've given them the process. And they haven't been able to implement it because they don't understand the fundamentals. <laughs> so like I say to you guys, if you, if this is something that is interesting to you and you want to improve it, you've got to make that paradigm shift and you've got to be willing to like become the student again and appreciate that you don't know shit about this stuff and there's better ways of doing it than what you currently are. And there are resources out there, books, coaches, mentors, programs, Jackson, like all these other people that can actually guide you in the right direction. So swallow your pride and and reach out to them because it's available. And I can tell you right now, like if you don't go through that process, then you're never going to be able to roll it out. And I've always had that. I've always struggled, Jackson, both from the experience of someone that's been down the path of buying these, you know, Programs and things where people are like, We'll give you all your business systems. And you go, oh, Okay, that sounds great. And you get them and you go, This doesn't mean shit they're to me. Like, I have no idea what they're even talking about. Exactly. As, a, as opposed to going through the process of learning how to develop and create, you know, step by step, progressively, these kind of things. Like, it's a chalk and cheese conversation.
1: 100%, mate. And I, we refer to this as money muscle memory. Right. Like, the analogy that I like to use here, which aligns perfectly, is let's say you go to the gym and you go to do a squat. And you put 300 kilos onto that bar and you've never done squats before. Like, What's going to happen? you going, going to then, do then yourself a, a knee <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going to play out your knees and that's not good. You're not going to be able to swing that hammer. So the idea is if you're going to go into the gym, you're going to start with the bar. You might, you might put a couple, a, couple of, uh, a couple of plates on, right? Sure. And you get the form right. You get confident. And then you start adding that weight over time. And this is the problem. Particularly with money, people feel like they're falling behind. And they try and put too much weight on the bar and they hurt themselves. We need to start small. We need to create this money muscle memory. We need to create repeatable systems and processes that not only make it easy, but make it enjoyable. because This doesn't need to be hard. Mm -hmm. And then when we improve this money muscle memory, we create these habits and behaviors. We can add to them and amplify and compound upon them over time.
0: That's what Mm it's all about. Now, you just touched on a word there, which I think really forms like the foundation of goals getting achieved and it's a habit yes and there's a great book called atomic habits by a guy called james clear and like you know that book is about helping you develop and improve habits around not just necessarily finance but anything right and if you want to improve things then chances are you're going to need to to change something i think maybe that might blur the gap blur the line somewhere with what you were saying before about people like wanting to like that conversation about sacrifice right exactly. because if you want to lose weight then you've got to sacrifice eating a bar of Cadbury every night in front of the in, and watching Netflix exactly but, but like it's the, the point being like once you've got these goals created and, and funnily enough because I'm just reading another book on goals at the moment and, and we, we're going to implement into our scorecard system with each, with each item on the scorecard, which which is only ever three for each person as a max, but there's going to be recommended habit for that action, so people can understand. Okay, yeah. well, if I make, if I have to hit these targets, I can do these things, and it should get me there. And I think that's kind of been a bit of a missing link for us. So I'm looking forward to rolling out next next week in our, or the end of this week actually in our new system. I love um, that. <clears throat> so, Jackson, tell me something. Where can what should the listeners do now you mentioned the resource um was that the you know the scorecard system there or
1: something was that exactly yeah so we're going to include a link uh which is bit.ly forward slash aureus scorecard that should be in the show notes yep. um okay. we're also going to include our, our gift page so you can get access to my best-selling books and financial calculators some extra tools and resources but once again this is about adding tools to your kit bag guys making sure that you've got the tools and you can develop that muscle memory and you can start taking action. And we want to reduce that that action threshold to make it easier for you to push the needle forwards. And look, if you feel like you need some support with this, this is what we do all day, every day. Uh, We help our clients design and implement the plan, make sure that they stick to the course and they can course correct as life and business changes over time. Uh, So if you'd like to have a chat, we work with clients all around the world. Uh, So feel free to to reach out to us uh, on the links provided and we'd love to support.
0: Perfect. Well, I'll put all those things in the show notes. and if yeah, you guys that want to get in contact or you want to take the next step, they'll all be over there. So you can head across to the site just search Jackson in the search bar and it'll pop straight up. Um, mate, thank you for your time. It's been a great conversation. For you listeners and viewers out there, if you have any questions around this specifically, if you've got any experiences, if you've got any um, pushback or resistance or anything like that, let us know in the Facebook group or let us know where, wherever you want. And then, you know, if, if it's a question that I can get answered, I'm sure Jackson will be more than willing to come back on the show and get that answered for you mate thanks so much for your time it's been a great conversation um and i think for from from my point of view guys just get out there become a sponge i mean in truth we're preaching to the choir here because you guys are listening or watching this um so you we know you want to learn but like take action action is the key um so i really encourage you to get out there and do that jackson thanks again for your time mate um we look forward to chatting again in the future my pleasure that's a wrap Thank you for listening to another episode of Toolbox Talks. If you're liking what you hear, then you can head across to thesiteshade.com where you can join our community by signing up to our Toolbox Talks. Uh, You'll get sent a weekly notification, which is basically a highlight of everything that we've spoken about during that week, along with any other industry news that may be relevant or specific to the trades. If you're enjoying the show, you can head across to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, where you can leave us a review. Uh, That would be fantastic. And all the reviews get read out in the show. Uh, Likewise, if you have any friends or colleagues that you think would benefit from the show and the, the episodes that we create, then please go ahead and share it with them. please head across to tradeywiki forward slash pod for podcasts. It's tradeywiki forward slash pod for podcasts. It will be well worth the conversation. And I can't wait to chat with you. Ciao.